0: Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content. And we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to momentumvolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May alongside Josh Nickel. As always, welcome back to the show. I'm eager to go today. we got an excellent guest, well-rounded, came highly, highly recommended from friend of the show. So not to mount too much pressure, but we got Olivier Janini on the show today. Did I pronounce your name correctly, Olivier? Because, I mean, we need to work on our Francais <laughs> here on
1: the channel. Actually, the first name was right, the last name was not, so it's Janini. So it's a J pronounced as a J. Janine, No need to put uh, any sort of, uh,
0: yeah. Welcome to the show. You're immediately getting the sense of the show here is how we just on purpose mispronounce our guest's name just to unsettle things a little bit. uh, Yeah, I I wish it was on purpose. So Josh, normally we like to start out with comments and stuff and things we get from our viewers. We got nothing today. We have absolutely nothing to talk about. So that's incredibly disappointing. We're putting on a bad example here for our guests. So I'm ready to get right into it. You haven't said a single word yet, Josh. and We're gonna try to keep it that way as normal. No, don't even don't even breathe into the mic, Josh. You like watch it. Um, so first thing I wanted to talk about today, and uh, Olivier, get your your uh, your thoughts on as well, is. Volleyball Canada has kind of announced an upcoming, actually after the show airs, it will have happened, um, is a VC combine for youth club athletes where they're bringing um, a bunch of kids age 14 to 18 to the beautiful city of Vaughan, Ontario. Nothing against Vaughan. But um, <laughs> not sure if many of our listeners have heard of that. Um, it's near Toronto to, uh, to kind of test their physical skills. And I'm not going to say my opinion right away to not muddy the waters. Um, but I've uh, just got some thoughts around, you know, this kind of a first of its kind. What do we think about it? Uh, I'll get maybe your take, uh, Olivier, to start on the VC Combine.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very good topic. So, you know, first off, as a former athlete myself, I would have loved to do that. You know, growing up, we all watch, you know, let's say football, you know, soccer, um, hockey, whatever it is. And, you know, most of those sports, bas- basketball as well, most of those sports have some sort of combine, whatever it is, whether, whether it is through an all-star game or through, you know, just, you know, tryouts uh, for the league itself. So growing up that way, it gives us, you know, the feeling that it's a great way to get to the next level. Yeah. Uh, so, you are know, you that's... sure
0: you're not saying that because you would have dominated the physical testing? I mean, you could jump well, out uh, of the that's... gym back in the day. I think you would have liked it because you could have yeah, showed up. Am it. I wrong?
1: Oh uh, no, you're you're totally right. Um, <laughs> it, you know what? Funny thing. The, you know, funny thing is, you know, you're right. I, I am incredibly
0: physical. Thanks. Gary.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean. The truth, you know, it we know it, it's you know, it's all part of it. But, um, uh, you know, funny thing is, when I was in high school, um, I was told that before my time, there were you know, you know, you know, hitting, com- you know, hitting competition basically during which people would you know, bounce balls and they would get prizes during national championships, and you know. To my you know, disappointment, when I got to nationals, that was not a thing anymore. That probably happened once or twice before our time. Um, so yes, I would have loved to do that. So yes, I think it's a great idea for that reason. Um, and yes, in terms of you know, in terms of uh, competition, in terms of uh, what athletes would like to do, I feel like you know it would have been just you know great and perfect. And again, you know, just a, a great way to get your step in you know you high, higher level volleyball
0: one of the only people I've met, or the first people I've met, who actually likes the idea of physical testing. Josh, I don't <laughs> like every year, man. We were on the national team on beach. Maybe because I was on the beach, I never did really much of this indoors. But every year, you come in there, they get the Vertec machine out, they get the, the little sensors out. You're doing the sprint thing, you got to do the bench. One year, we did a be- one rep max bench. I was incredibly <laughs> embarrassed that year. I mean, for <laughs> obvious reasons. Um, but everybody seemed to hate it then. Maybe it's because everybody was already on the team. I guess maybe the idea is like, for these kids who are kind of aspiring, like super keen, like, yeah, let's get in there and show some physicality.
1: Yeah, I think for aspiring kids, it's it's amazing, right? Uh, and I mean, to me, most of those tests were naturally easy. So yes, of course, that was I mean, a, no big deal. They you were know,
0: naturally, yeah, exactly. easy. yeah naturally a great, good a great at way it. to show
1: off. Yeah. A great way to show off a great way to intimidate other people as well, you know, before, before, you know, tryouts and all of that. So yeah, I actually, you know, enjoy those tests. Yeah. Well, damn, I, I think like, I would
0: say my opinion is I'm incredibly weirded out by it. So I'm kind of glad we're maybe a little bit difference of opinion here. Cause it just weirds me the hell out to think about a 14 year old kid like and you think about a 14-year-old guy or girl doesn't matter a kid who's 14 years old they just played their 14u provincial championship or whatever they're they're still in the early part of the club season they go and they're doing like they're measuring height weight and their jump think about that age what your spike touch would have been, compared to even just two years later at 16 years old, right? Like, it changes immensely. Like we had guys on our team that's who true. were 14, were like 5'2", and then at 16, we're all of a sudden 6'1", like grew a foot in that time. So like, what are you getting out of doing this for the 14 year old kids? And for the 18 you kids, I kind of get it. I think that's probably the only demographic I kind of get. Because then university coaches kind of look at it and go, all right, I'm getting some stats, some data for this athlete that I can trust. They all did the same thing. That makes sense. But to me, 14 to 17 you makes absolutely no sense. Now, Josh, you've literally said nothing for the first five minutes of the episode. I'm wondering if you're ever going to contribute to this conversation.
2: Yeah, no, I, I can jump in here. I was just enjoying the company, Garrett. I was enjoying the thoughts. That's, that's absolute nonsense. You were um, not. This kind of reminds me a little bit like a big thing in the sporting community is the RBC training ground right now. And I think that works for a lot of sports. Garrett, it's where athletes just go and they're tested on like physical abilities, but it's not sports specific. And Don't then, call me
0: out and say Garrett. It's for the listener,
2: you know, the, okay, listener, for the listener as well. Needs for to the listener. So that that's a program here in Canada. And you go and you do like physical testing, but it's not very sports specific. And I have found just in recent history the sports that require like an engine, like you're talking like cycling, bobsled, like stuff where you just need to be like physically special, like a lot of power, a lot of speed. They've been plucking athletes. And I think our Olympic programs have been doing well by identifying these athletes. And I was always kind of like, yeah, RBC training ground is good, but we're a ball sport. We're very technical. We're very this for that. So maybe this is kind of the middle ground where if these are going to be more volleyball specific tests, then maybe you can identify some athletes who showcase well. But uh, I still think at the end of the day, Garrett, we're, we're a ball control sport and in, I think coaches should be in the gym identifying athletes. I don't know if a volleyball combine would make me want to like fast track somebody on the pathway. Yes. It's more data. Yes. It's more information. And maybe this is a thing, but to me the missing link here is if Olivier goes and he dominates and he does the test, What's the step after that? Like, are you getting a physical training program where you can do this? Like, are, are they just going to say, wow, you touched this, but like, is there a way to improve it or maintain it? Or is it just a way to show off and you get a certificate and say, hey, at 17, he was the highest jumper, but two, like, do we things, know what he Josh. did at 18? Two things. First. That is some excellent
0: fence-sitting right there. I mean, Olivia, you're getting a masterclass in sitting on the fence right there. I mean, well done, Josh. Get over that, come on, let's pick a side here, bud. Um, second thing, you said, does the guy who's the best get put on a training program? I'm not thinking about that guy. I'm thinking about the person who goes and is the worst. Like, is the worst <laughs> at better. all
2: skills. Are we like, hey, like we need to get this person into the physical training skills. So, Garrett, when you led OUA and, and were a top guy in youth sports in, in, you know, volleyball skills, like, you know, kills, attack efficiency, uh, were you the highest jumper in the league? No, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Olivier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely wasn't me. not the highest jumper on your team. Okay, listen, we don't need to go <laughs> into how I was so not physically dominant, okay? I mean, or are you taking a shot and saying the reason I don't like it is because I wouldn't have done well at it? And that's the reason why Olivier likes it.
2: I just think sometimes the, these tests are eye-opening and they're, they're awesome. It's good feedback for athletes, but, like, I don't think everyone does well, and that doesn't mean they're not good at their sport. Like, Tom Brady's combine story is almost a joke, like how ridiculous that is. It doesn't mean once he put pads on, he was a really good football player. So if an athlete dominates these tests, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a good volleyball player, but it is feedback and it is data, and it's it's okay, so new in Okay, so who's excited
0: about this, though?
2: Like, who's imagine energized? I some kids are fired up. Like, I well, imagine it, some kids...
1: You know, one thing, one thing to 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 see about that is that you're giving, you know, kind of edging examples of athletes that have done very well, despite their, you know, them not being that physical. But if you look at, you know, kind of most of the athletes that are doing well, I'm sure, I'm sure that by gathering data, as you said, you know, we would be able to kind of identify, you know, elements that would lead to, you know, great potential or great potential on, you know, on a, on a long-term basis. Second thing Available combine, I mean, you have to adapt it to the sport, right? So why not include technical aspects, you know, as a part of it, right? You include, you know, passing, and which I would, you know, definitely not do well at. Uh, I didn't include, say it. I, I mean, uh, I wasn't uh, gonna say. Uh, it. I brought it up. I brought it up. <laughs> so you would, you would include passing and you know stuff like you know setting and whatnot, and you know you include that as well as you know more specific tests that could basically test, you know, the ability, you know, for someone to get better with time. But truth is those first combines would not be good. You know, with time you refine it, you add stuff, you remove stuff, and then you analyze that data. But then again, it's a, it's, it's kind of a long-term plan, right? Uh, but it's all about data.
0: I mean, interesting points you're bringing. I never pegged you for a numbers guy about collecting the data. Josh, you should like that. That should be a point <laughs> that just is convincing you. Like, I feel like he's working hard to get you on his side here. Is it
2: working? I think it's working. I think, I, I, like I said, Garrett, it's something new in our sport, and it's something to get the kids excited. I just, th- there has to be another step for this, other than, like, a really cool way to spend a Saturday and, and learn that a young Garrett may touch ten eight, but could still side out, like. ten nine at least. Come on, you got to give me. <laughs>
0: I, I, so it's funny you mentioned as well, if you to touch, like, touching on new, like, you know, the first one's not going to be great, but the more you do it, you're going to learn the tests that are going to maybe actually be more representative. So the first few years of like, I guess the most formal beach volleyball national program we had when Leonard Crapp was the head coach and he was, you know, he, he really stressed. Yeah. We kind of the same thing. Like we need to get the physical testing. And there were a few tests in there over the first three to four years that were like kind of the experimental tests, right? I think some are still around, but one of them that I remember was hilarious, Josh, and it's gone now. It's well gone. Well, actually two of them. So the first one was you just, there was like 10 hurdles in a row. Do you still do this? And you just had to jump over them in a row like 10, just 10 times. If you had to guess how high was the hurdle? That was like, it was probably a meter high. Like it was pretty high. You had to like full <laughs> jump tuck to get over, but you couldn't turn sideways. Like you couldn't, because it was easier if you went sideways, but they didn't let you do that. So you just go straight over and then, but like 90% of people did it. Like there was no, so that one we threw out, but the one that was <laughs> funniest was, The CSIO, the Canadian Sport Institute Ontario had these like tech things and they were were, like lights on a pole. And you did like a fast feet down the sand and then as you went through a sensor, the light flashed red or green and you had to go left or right And then do some fast feed again, then come back. And then you did it a second time. And then they timed you over that process. And it was just so strange and hilarious because, like, people go in the opposite way and just still going. (laughs) Like, what do you do? They went the wrong way. Like, are they disqualified? (laughs) Or, like, people falling over because they're, like, going the wrong way? Like, it was just a, a bit of a disaster. So I'm thankful to see that one was gone. So... Um, But you're right, there's probably some better tests we could find that could stand the test of time.
2: Well, well, if they're going to stand the, the test of time, I, I think the important thing is that it is volleyball specific. Because I, I noticed with our athletes too, Garrett, they start training to the test. But there are some items that if you do well in the test, that doesn't mean you're going to be good at volleyball. So I'm sure when somebody designed that fast feet go left or right exercise, they're like, oh, it's cue reading. It's it's like digging a ball. It's like running. None of that correlates to actually digging like a high line roll. So like that, that doesn't apply to me. But somebody thought it did, right? They're always trying to like correlate something to something where as long as this is like it, it transfers to the volleyball court, then I, I'm all in. If this is just something that's like a fun fact, like a Oh, a you're all in game. now.
0: You started the episode sitting on the well, fence and now you're all in? Olivia, well, you did example, it. You pulled him
2: over onto your side. I, like when it. I was speaking to Leonard last year. We were just talking about we don't have like a in volleyball, it's really hard to find a test to test the upper body. You mentioned one year you did a bench press. That probably doesn't apply. Some some programs have done a medicine ball toss, but some athletes find a way to like cheat those drills where the medicine ball one, if you just throw it a little bit higher, it'll loop and it'll go further than the guy who throws the line drive, right? So there's just, the athletes are smart, Garrett, and they don't always want to work harder. They want to cheat the activity. So as a coach or someone, reviewing, me. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if we're going to review this data. We have to make sure that it was like equal and it, it's producing the results or feedback that you're going to then apply,
1: right? Yeah. You know, one one good point about that is, you know, well, so to go back to the, the the lights test, you know, if you look at it and you make it, you know, a bit easier, that would actually be a good test for younger people, because the issue with that test uh, is that you did it way too late. You know, there's no way that would apply to anyone at you know at the age you had when you did it. But think about a young person doing that, you know, let's say someone that's, you know, 13, 14, you test their reflexes, you you test their ability to concentrate and a bunch of things like that. And while that person might not be good at volleyball yet, while you might not be able to test stuff like, you know, spike touch and other things like that, you can test the ability of that, you know, younger person to, you know, react to things, to, you know, to be focused and a bunch of things like that, which, on a long-term basis, I mean, you know, and Garrett, you know that, right? And, and Josh, of course, I mean, being a good athlete is not only about being good at one thing. It's not only about being good at your sport. It's about a bunch of things, right? So if you're able to test to test those things those things that are not as concrete, not as obvious, I think you might be able to, to get something there. But then again, as you said, Josh, it's all about the follow-up, right? If you just do it and forget about it afterwards, it's worth nothing. You have to follow up with, with kids and kind of create somewhat of a program.
0: This is a first, Josh. I, I'm i being convinced. Well, you're watching it happen live. Olivier is go. selling me on the combine. And I'll, I'll tell you why. He's looking at it from a just bird's eye view perspective. And like, hey, if we do this year over year, you start to see trends of like, hey, what's the bare minimum you need to be at the level or to project to be at the level? And we can get some sense there. You're going to find outliers, but at least... You kind of have that. Or who who what's the top tier where we see actually a high percentage of kids who tested well in these areas, this is where they ended up. Like over the long term and for the administration, it does sound like a good idea. Like how I don't see how it's not. I was looking at it from an individual perspective, like mm-hmm. or a coach perspective, whereas like I don't care at all about sending myself or one of my athletes or anything to this combine because like from that perspective, it means absolutely nothing. Right. So like I kind of get, that, I kind of get that. And personally, I always hated it because some of the tests were extremely exhaustive. Like, you know, the beep <laughs> test, for example, I don't know if our listeners <laughs> know or don't know that one, that one's awful, right? Everybody hates that test. It's a pure exhaustion and it does have a test. To
1: volleyball.
0: Yes. Like what, like I, I, maybe a, a long rally test, Like, okay, how many quicks can you hit and then go block and then hit a quick? But like, what, like, what do you max out at? How, like, take the longest rally ever. Okay. You could do that. (laughs) Great. Like we don't, do we we care? Right. But, uh, it's true. The administrative, like Josh, how are you not just so excited right now to have this guest on and just, you got, I feel like you guys are like on the same wavelength, man. (laughs)
2: well for the listeners Garrett I didn't recruit this guest I think we need to give a shout out to Carrie, who gave a recommendation and gave us basically there were there was no way we could say no so the shout out to Carrie, a a friend of the show a friend of the beach crew everybody should know Carrie, the ref but uh yeah I'm I'm not in my head here Garrett I I was kind of on the fence I wanted to be on the fence but now I'm all in like let's let's get more combines see Garrett you're in Vancouver let's get one out there no like I but I'm not going like I think we've made that
1: clear like I'm not showing up like (laughs) I'm not should show up so we can get you know so we can gather data about former athletes you know that's part of the process (laughs) there you go
0: listen nobody wants to see me (laughs) doing those tests at this point in my career give me a year to prep maybe i'll be all right but now what are you laughing at that is not acceptable on the no no enough enough the peanut gallery here in the background laughing at me okay yeah sorry about that rude interruption and it was insulting me, Josh. What do you think your vertical would be? Let's test the coaches. Let's get the coaches out there on the combine and see where they're at, and see if it's actually correlating to the team's performance. If your coach is in better shape, well,
2: yeah, it wouldn't be good, Garrett. Like I, the other day of <laughs> practice, the guys were. You, you know how volleyball players just get bored sometimes during warm-up and one guy does something and the other people are like, oh, I can do that, I can do that? So a couple of guys were trying to touch the top of the antenna and and they were doing it with their approach jump, but then they started to be like, oh, I bet you I can do it with a block jump. And I'm like, I wonder if I could touch the third stripe, Garrett. Like, that's maybe like how about more the first right. stripe, Josh? How about just get well, over I the net? I think I could get the first you stripe. You get over the with net an these approach, days? With an approach jump, maybe. I'm don't. I I'm not in very good shape. Round is a shape, Garrett, I think. but uh, <laughs> You're in a shape. <laughs> But like, if the net for men's is two forty three or, or eight feet, how high is Nerd the Nerd alert,
0: man! Like, oh my god, you know the exact
2: <laughs> numbers. Good for you. But like, how long is an antenna? Like, that's pretty high. And 80. these guys are like, I bet you I could touch it. I was like, that's eighty centimeters. It's up there. You two yeah.
0: guys, with your numbers and your facts and all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, what the heck? I'm in deep here. Comment down below. I need some support for people who don't know numbers and math. Like
2: Olivier during warm up, did you ever like when you guys are doing like your your block warm up and you're trying to intimidate the other team? Would you, you go did up that and every time, one? didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, we used to do that actually in uh, finals in. 2008 against you guys uh, we did it in finals in gold finals against Crush against you guys against Garrett um, in gold, gold finals in 2008 we did that and funny thing is the reason why we did it is because two was it two weeks before we went to see uh, 18 U national championships and we saw um, the whole Pac-Man team do that and I mean basically all of them did it so we said hey we're going to do that as well so two weeks after in Moncton we went ahead and did it in finals um, so, so yeah we definitely did it yeah so we can get into a little bit of the
0: background here between myself and Olivier and Josh yeah. you'll find this funny so uh, we're the same age we're the same cohorts we played, uh, played against each other only though I think twice ever
1: right? <sighs> um I think like two matches no, ever so, no three three times three? actually three times um yeah because that's right so oh 14 yeah, times. 15 and 16 uh no 14 16 and at Western when you were at Western and it was at Laval oh we played yeah we played but that was at uh the York uh tournament in no, January. no 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 we played you guys at 15 new nationals as well no, so you played against, uh, so you played against another uh, samurai team. So I was 15U that te- that year. But what we ended up doing is that we sent our best players to play 16U, and we had another team oh. in 15U that year <laughs> oh, sorry. against which oh, you played. Yeah, sorry, I got the best players so, in
0: 16. Okay. Well, yeah, sure.
1: well, we didn't win, so <laughs> apparently it didn't work. Yeah, you <laughs> avoided crash
0: year. on that on that journey. No, we we uh, we battled, I think, in a few finals over the years. And I think you got
1: me back when we played Laval. I feel like that was an exhibition game, though, right? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, so we played against you guys well at York. We won that one, that tournament at York. Uh, we played against, right. well, against Crush in 2009, but you and Richard were both, inju- both yeah. injured that year. It's a nightmare. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so we, you know, we won, we won those nationals. Was it because you guys were injured? I don't think so. We could have that conversation for you know for for hours, I guess, but uh, that's something else. And then in 2008, we played against you guys in finals, and you guys beat us in three sets, um, and which was pretty interesting. Uh, you probably tipped for like 75% of that game, and good on you because we did not, you know, get any of those tips for whatever reason. Yeah,
0: I remember that, and I remember us in the huddle going like, like they. They got a big block but like nobody's digging the tip like let's why why am i i'm not too proud for this like nobody's watching i mean nobody cares it's not like anybody's yeah. gonna bring this up 10 years later and talk about it on some <laughs> random podcast ah, wait. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so we have a long history um yeah back and forth playing over the years um but, but the one the one thing it's true you guys always did that and it's funny because i don't know if we've ever gotten a chance to talk about it over the years but uh you guys definitely always did the antenna thing or at least i remember it vividly and us definitely being like uh, well, I mean, we we ain't doing that. Like we're we're not we're not gonna go even attempt that. That we would not stack up well against that, against that. Yeah. Luck. And it is intimidating, I think, at the younger levels for sure.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. I mean, that's why we did it. But at the end of the day, we were only two guys that could do it uh, in our team. It was uh, myself and uh, Allison.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So one of your, I did want to ask, and while we're kind of near the topic about, because there's there's kind of this legendary figure in at least in kind of my circles from Laval um, and it is uh, Mondu and I got to ask you about the journey there because I'm super curious to hear I don't think we've ever had a chance somebody who was there because from uh, from my perspective we go to nationals and we're watching Carl de Grandpre. we've talked about it before Josh hitting a balls over top of Mondu who's in the front row not getting set then the very next year the guy who had A-balls hit over top of him goes and gets player of the year in that conference. Can you explain how the hell that happens and what the hell's going on there?
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, that was, yeah, season 2012, 2013. It was an interesting season. Uh, you know, we had a lot of uh, a lot of, you know, definitely a lot of rookies that year. And I don't know, dude. He just had a you know a great year. I mean, he was passing extremely well. He was you know he was a great passer, a great defender as well. Uh, you know, surprisingly for you know his bike touch, he was a you know, or his block touch, he was a very good blocker. I mean, he was very disciplined and yeah. he knew he knew his stuff. So, yeah, he just had a very good and a very good ball control. So, yeah, he had a great year in Quebec. And, you know, frankly, you know, the average, you know, spike touch, spy touch in Quebec is not like, you know, let's say Canada West, right? So um, he could still do well, but, you know, he still proved himself because, you know, he did very well at Nationals as well. So that was, that was basically it. I mean, the thing when you have Carl and a guy like Tommy in one team, I mean, a guy like Mondu, I mean, he's a great player, but, you know, he just ended up being, a you know, the third, uh, you know, the third hitter, basically, well, yeah. you know, excluding, you know, middle players, of course. But, yeah, he's a great player. And we went to the same high school. We're, you know, three years apart, but went to the same high school and uh, yeah, have a lot of respect for the guy. He did very well that year.
0: Yeah, it's funny because the the, the year after we saw the Nationals final, where they, I think, finished second that year. Um, he's getting set balls over top of them. And we started calling left-side players on our team, Mondu, like referring yeah. to them as, hey, you're, like, we're not setting you at all. We're setting the <laughs> other guy over top of you. But then what was weird was the next year, Calling Amandu was now like a soup, a compliment. It totally flipped in one year. We're like, oh, shoot, like we can't do that anymore. We're calling them the player of the year. Yeah. Like it was such a crazy story. I've told that so many times about how the guy who never got set turned into the player of the year. Like I, I tell that to everybody. Like, is it was everybody is like, is that was that as special as I'm making it out to be? But like, maybe it wasn't. It's I don't not know for
1: us. Not for us, I think, you know, part of part of the reason as well is that, uh, you know, he was probably not as well known outside of Quebec, right? Um, whereas for us in Quebec, I mean, you know, he had, you know, his time, you know, exactly like me, actually, so, you know, at Samurai and then at Lemuelou and afterwards at Laval and, you know, throughout those years, um, you know, he got a lot of, you know, respect. He did Canada games actually in 20, 2009 uh, with Team Quebec and he was well known. So for him to get player of the year of the conference, it was not a big surprise. It's just that you know Tommy obviously you know you know one of the you know best players of you know this past decade you know in Quebec and you know Carl I mean one of the best players in Canada I mean these past you know 10 15 years right So you know being with those two guys he was you know destined to be in the shadows I mean that's that's how I see it but yeah okay.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I always wanted to hear about that because it's. Uh, I think uh, anyone we hung out with it was kind of uh, legendary in our circles. But um, eh, it's interesting to hear that it w- that
1: wasn't didn't seem that way on the team. Um, yeah, no, it was not. I mean, he's actually pretty similar to you. You know, good passer, great ball control. Um, hey, you know, his play hey, touch was. You, you
0: are you saying I'm like Mondu? Because from where I come from, that was an insult. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, it ended up being a compliment. So It's you know, true. It's, I, it's true. He and I, both yeah. won player of the year. I mean, there you who's go. to say there you we're go. any different? Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, definitely same type of players. I mean, you know, not the highest bike touch, but great ball control, great passer, and you know, overall, oh, it's right. not player. the highest
0: spike touch back on this physical statistics again, which is another thing I did want to address. And we kind of touched on a little bit earlier because um, Mondu, you're right. And myself, even like I wasn't the massive jumper, but I was up there. But how important because this this thing with the the combine, right, and like identifying the bare minimum of what you need. But for the players who test in the highest percentage, like how important do we think that actually is translating into success? In the sport of volleyball, like is that something that should be a major focus? Are there more important things? Like um, for certain players, they build their game up around it for sure. But uh, across the board, is that something we like? We find super valuable, or do we think it's like ah, it's it's nice to have, but there's more important stuff out there.
1: I don't. My my personal take is that it's it's definitely up there. No pun intended, intended there, but uh, it's definitely (laughs) up there, but it is not the only thing to look at. Right. Um, you know, one of the, you know, part of the things I I think, you know, made us successful at Samurai was that, you know, we built our confidence first and then after that we worked on volleyball, right. We worked on fundamentals after that. Right. So we were very good hitters before anything else. And frankly, for, you know, young athletes, uh, you know, and just, you know, teenagers in general, it's just a great thing to do. Right. So, you know, to focus on that, to me, it has a level of importance the same way it would have, let's say, in basketball and other sports, right? Or you know, think about the, the the 40-yard dash, you know, at football. It's you know, it's it's highly you know, it's 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 you know, it, it has a great reputation, right? Let's yeah. put it that way. Uh, and it's highly used, so that's kind of the same thing for me. But then again, you know, there's a lot of other things to look at, and you have to be exhaustive in your testing, uh, yeah. or else you'll miss other stuff.
0: It's funny you bring that up that you say you built your confidence first. You guys were great hitters and that kind of fueled you a little bit and that brought you success. I think as I've aged in my volleyball life, uh, I think I've kind of realized like all the stuff that like the ideal and Josh, (laughs) you love this. The uh, the idealist, the volleyball idealist, the volleyball elitist, if you will you know, has these things that you want to check off all these boxes in your kind of ideal volleyball world, right? Like, oh, yeah, you want to have good passing, good formation, solid setter, like great serve, like you got to do these types of serves, like, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, And I think it's interesting that we have you on, Olivia, because I remember actually at that 17-U tournament that that you guys won, um, you guys were the only team in the tournament who ran meter balls in the middle. Um, And you couldn't stop it. Like, and I remember thinking like, man, like you got to triple it. You have to. And nobody did. I didn't understand why nobody did, but you were just bouncing balls. You either hit to five same or you hit reason to, like,
1: we wouldn't get your tips. Probably yeah, like, the same reason we, we wouldn't get your tips, I guess. But, I guess. Right. But yeah. it's
0: like, okay, you got these physical guys in the middle, set them a meter ball, let them go to work. Right. Like, why do we necessarily need to you know check all these volleyball these volleyball boxes when we could make up a whole new style and still be successful without all the pieces in place just yet you know what i mean and i think yeah. you saw that with some like some of those teams as well you were on where you're setting an a ball who gives a shit? Like set the guy the A-ball. Like we don't we don't need him hitting a pipe. We he's gonna crush the A-ball. Who cares, right? Physical, like get the job done, kind of, which is something I never thought of when I was younger, right, Josh? I know that's gonna challenge your volleyball elitism a little bit. Like, how dare you?
2: Friend of the show and Team Canada beach volleyball athlete Grant O'Gorman has teamed up with Movember to help raise awareness for testicular cancer and men's health. Check out our show notes to get a link to Grant's page and donate today. Movember, whatever you grow will save a bro. I think... you you gotta be really extensive and like I'm thinking of examples because there's so much data out there and like drafts and other sports right like there's NHL teams who literally will not draft a goalie under six feet anymore like they have a profile of what a goalie looks like and you could be the best goalie in the CHL but if you're 5'9 they're not even going to evaluate you so I think and and football players if you watch there's lots of documentaries on like they have a physical profile that if you're going to play a position you have to be x y and z or even uh, Golden State's GM one said he's just like listen we know Steph Curry is 6'4 and that's not an NBA body type he's a great shooter so he makes up for it here here and here but if there's a six eight guy with the same skill set the six eight guy is getting the job so uh, i think there's always going to be exceptions to rules i don't know if people are lazy in their evaluation but they're always kind of looking for a profile that says this is going to be a right side on our team and if you walk into a gym and you find that kid it's awesome but i I, there always is going to be that exception it's just it's almost impossible to measure Garrett. I think that's why we're always looking for the physical profile. So you could send your assistant coach to go watch Samurai at this tournament. You could say, oh, we got to talk to this left side because they're six, five, big arm, good passer. And it's like, well, you're, you might be overlooking someone else or you might be over-evaluating them, but they they fit what you have in your mind, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know why coaches we do that, that we, we want to find the shortcut or we want to hack the code, but it, it feels like every sport does it, but we all know it's not the one be all answer, you know?
0: It, it is true. because. Like in, in the club scene and at younger levels, you have less influence over what you're actually targeting and bringing onto your team. You kind of make do with what you got. So some of that plays in more, right? Like, hey, we got two guys who can pound. Let's have them in the middle and do that, do that work, right? Or we got, I don't know, a bunch of guys who can pass. Well, let's run this offense or whatever, right? Um, but when you're at the highest levels or higher levels, you have a little bit more choice about what you kind of look for and try to bring in to your program, to your team or whatever. And I think actually this kind of comes to my biggest pet peeve with volleyball is it's boring. Right? Like if everybody's looking for the same thing and trying to get the same skill set and not bringing in these unique talents and and you really being unique in in some way, everybody looks the same. Right? Like is that not, and now you're just competing to who can do this like this cookie cutter the best. Am I wrong?
1: Well, I, I, I kind of disagree with that, so and so the way I see it is just, you know, a sport getting to maturity, to, to you know, to, you know, well, if you look at it at a certain way, in a certain way, in a sense that, you know, if you look at any sort of, you know, industry, any sort of field in general, at one point, you see kind of a convergence in terms of the way companies do things, the way people do things in general. Think about cars. You know, they're mostly the same. You know, it's just that the you know the more expensive they are, the faster they are, the more comfortable they are. But if you look at a single category, they tend to be all very similar. They all have you know design language, but you know, aside from that, a car is a car, right? Um, so and so, when you think about sports, uh, and that's because there's a recipe that basically works, right? You get more mature, and as you get more mature, people start doing the same thing because it seems to be the best thing according to science, according to data and all of that. And when you look at sports, you know, there's, you know, there's that, you know, I wouldn't say that easy recipe, but you know, you can converge towards, you know, kind of a, you know, single point that is not necessarily the best point that exists, but the points, the best, the best way of doing it that we know as of today. Um, and, you know, at one point, there's always a coach, a player, someone that, you know, comes up with something new that no one has done before. And, you know, using that, thanks to that, we end up refining that sport, right? It's a, it's a, an iterative process, but there is a best, right? It's just that or yeah. there could be different bests, but it's normal to kind of see that convergence, and we see that in many, many fields.
0: Yeah, I see your logic. I see your your solid explanation, um, and I get that. And you're bringing intelligence to the show. And you know, we, we didn't give you the brief beforehand that uh, outsmarting <laughs> the hosts is just not really a great thing to make me feel good. But certainly, you're bringing great it points. Is what it is. But You're looking at it from a perspective of, okay, I'm trying to be the best. I'm trying to be successful, but I'm, I'm trying to separate that. And I've tried to do it with every show that we do is like, Hey, only one team wins, but that doesn't define success for your sport or your season or whatever. Josh, I'll ask you, who's your favorite beach volleyball player to watch? Andrews wall. Okay. Why?
2: I think he does a unique thing where, like, he oh, can... Oh, wait, what? He's very unique in the way okay. he can influence the okay. game. Right, okay. Name another player who's fun to watch. Uh, on the women's side, I would say Duda for the same reasons. There's stuff she does that no one else can do. Yeah, I completely agree. Anyone else? Phil in his prime. I like Sean Rosenthal in his prime. Like, How about yeah. Uh, Karambula? Yeah, he's okay. What do you mean he's Okay. We play against him a lot, so I don't like him because he's hard to game plan for because he doesn't do anything (laughs) awesome, but he beats us a lot, actually. What do
0: you mean he doesn't do anything awesome? He rockets the ball up into the sky and does like sets over and like he's exciting. This is what I'm saying is like professional sport is an entertainment product. It is not like a, a, a business. It is not a numbers game, a profit game. Like what you put out on the court needs to entertain people, right? Even even international Like, maybe that's the one place where it's like, no, success matters over everything else. We don't care if it's boring as long as we bring home that gold medal. But when you think about professional career, even university, you get funded based on how many tickets you sell in some ways, right? Like, you think about at Western, the football team gets a ton of money because people pay tickets to go to sit in the stands. Who's coming to the volleyball game? Well, not a ton of people. So if everything's the same, if it's less entertaining, I think we lose out generally. We miss out on other ways to succeed. So I think you're right, Olivier. Like, you know, when we, the way we value things, like is a convergence to what is going to be optimal for success in terms of winning and being kind of a championship team and giving your best chance to win night after night. But now that's not my goal anymore. Like I I don't care about that.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, you, you have good points there. The only thing is, you know, you, ha, you know, we have to look at is whose role is it to make the sport attractive for people to watch it or to practice oh, great it? Great
0: question. And we have not answered which, this on
1: the show. We've tried. Exactly right. <laughs> and whose role is it to 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 whose role is it to to make, you know, to make teams you know more performant. Right. And that's cope. I think you know it, it's it's kind of fluid, right? Because there's a lot of, of instances, whether you know we're talking about you know referees and and teams and clubs and whatnot. So we'll not get into that. But the point is, you know, I think you know those decisions have to be taken by you know different groups of people, and you know then again, you know, some groups have performance in mind. And, you know, I'm thinking about athletes and coaches and other groups have, you know, just the application of the sport in mind. And I'm talking mostly about refs, for instance, and other groups have, you know, the, you know, the idea that the sport should develop and be attractive and that's a bunch of other people. Right. So, um, and what is the the overall goal? Well, it's tough to say, but what's for sure is that, you know, different groups have different roles and, you know, a coach should make a team as efficient. Well, it depends what, what the, the club is assuming the club or the team is all about winning um, why do we coach, assume that though well exactly that's why I'm saying that right because I know not all clubs are about that right well, no and, they you know, are really low I can't think like
0: I've never walked into a room and gone somebody's like no we focus more on looking good and being entertaining than winning <laughs> I've never heard that I would love well,
1: to well you've seen well okay so you know you've seen You've seen your know, NCAA, right? D one. Yeah. Have you seen? Have you looked? Have you watched your know, NCAA D three? D three NCAA volleyball. And no. I'm, so I'm not saying it's not you know good volleyball. There's a bunch of very good teams and very good players in there. But if you look at the league's mantra, and I can't remember what the exact you know tagline is or however however you want to name it, but it's really more about you know the practice of the sports, about you know moving and stuff like that, than about you know being all, you know, being the most performant you can, right? And you've seen, you know, D1, D2 leagues. We have that in Quebec and, you know, at the college level. Um, you know, D2 leagues are not about, you know, being, you know, as performant as possible. They want to win, but they... You know, there's a there's an ex, you know there's a there's a level of compromise they th- yeah, they not do. Yeah,
0: I, I think I agree. And Josh and I both coached in the the college league in Ontario. But even there, like when you talk with the coaches there in that league, it's kind of like you're 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 hired based on your ability to help your team win, not your ability to help your students stay in school and graduate, and not your ability to bring excitement and energy around your team. Which, now that I say it, don't those two things seem way more
2: important? You're right. You're right. Like, re- right? E- am I crazy? I th- Especially at, at at the OCAA level where that's not a not necessarily, there are athletes who do it, don't be know? but I think they're the exception. It's not a pathway to the national team. It's not a pathway to it playing volleyball for a living. It's a pathway to... Learn some soft skills, have a great experience, but you're going to start a career very soon, and and I think you're dead on here. Where uh, a friend of the show, Sam Schachter starting his college coaching career, and I had to tell him advice that I received from another OCAA coach is like, listen, it's going to be really hard to have the same roster two semesters in a row because somebody's going to flunk out or somebody's going to be on probation, or and it's sad that that's the state of the provincial league, Garrett. where like, no, I don't think anyone has the same roster two semesters in a row in Ontario. No. No, they definitely don't. I'm picked, see, to bring it
0: full circle back to the point about physicality and do we care about it, I think I've convinced myself that I care way more about physicality than I ever did. (laughs) Like, I, (laughs) I I would have said, no, it doesn't matter at all. But from this perspective, I would much rather, imagine, okay, Come with me on this journey. We go into a major stadium. It's Team Canada playing Team USA, say. I don't know, whatever. Team Cuba. We're trying to qualify. And we get some 6'11". What was the word you used to
2: describe uh, these guys, Josh? 6'11". I don't like the word freak anymore. I like to call good players like unicorns if they're special. No, you
0: you said something else. You said goon or... uh... Gronk. Gronk, Gronk. yeah. (laughs) 6'11 Gronk out there. And you just out there, I don't know, playing middle, playing left side or something. I would much rather watch a big unit out there just absolutely screw one up in the worst way possible, follow it up with a massive bounce or like an unbelievable play, than two plays in a row where like a short 6'3 left side goes up and tools the block line. Like, I would rather see that. I don't like... I don't
2: even care the result of the game, I want to see some some craziness, right? No, I don't know because when, when you guys are talking about like entertainment value, like my mind kind of goes to like and one basketball and that was really entertaining for like a little bit, but it was kind of a flash in a pan and it wasn't going to outlast NBA or NCAA basketball where it just wasn't close enough to the sport to be like long term entertaining. But for like two or three years there, it was like, oh, did you see that guy do this? Oh, you want to bring
0: NBA into this? I'm so glad you did that because <laughs> think about the NBA and the varied play styles and the varied paths to success and the speed at which that game changes. You know, think about a few years ago, what was the dynamic team? Team who hit all the three-pointers. Now, exactly. who won last year? Milwaukee. With the big unit just charging down the center, dunking everything, basically, right?
1: Yeah, but there's still, there's still a tendency to convert toward towards, sure. you know, a focal point, right? For sure. The only thing is... You know, there's a volume, a level of volume that volleyball doesn't have, right? That allows the sport to move a lot faster. Do you mean like people playing it or watchers? watchers okay exactly and i think that level of volume allows the league to have you know in you know if we're talking about the nba to have you know more means and teams have you know more ways to analyze what's working and what's not working right now and in the past few years and thanks to that or because of that depending on on how you see it you know the league tends to converge towards you know focal points and then It moves, all right, you know, something changes and then it moves again, it moves again. But still, that tendency is still there. It's just much faster than, you know, in a lot of other sports.
0: Yeah, and I like, see, I, as a spectator, as a fan now, I mean, I have a history with volleyball. I feel like I know it at a high level. Like, so when I watch, I can find things. But I'm also, like, you know, fan of dumb stuff, like the WWE and and dumb movies, right? Like, where they just, it's just a promotion. Um, And you look at, like, where volleyball is headed, unlike bas you know, where basketball, it's you know, there's things changing and the trends and how it changes. I'm looking at where volleyball is headed, and I don't like it. I don't love where it's headed. I don't know that it's going to help our game be more fun to watch. Like, because you're right. We're getting this combine, focus on physicality, get these big units, especially on the beach, Josh. Like, you know, defenders now on the beach are – getting taller and taller there's like none of these short guys going up being super crafty anymore like i feel like bula or some of these some of these other players are a dying breed um and you get these people because now they can hand set all they want same thing indoors like indoor setters don't have to have beautiful hands they like you can just be super physical because the rules allow for it type thing so i don't i don't love where it's going when i'm just picturing that kind of convergence in a direction you know what i mean
2: Maybe I'm just me. Fair point. Fair point. And like I, I think your examples are good. I think I see it a lot in, in female blockers, where Sarah Pavin used to be like the only like six five yes. athlete. Now it seems like there's half a dozen or more that are like it's it's trending that way, right? So. Yeah. Like
0: how many beach volleyball teams are we gonna put up with with a six three six four blocker? You know, six one six foot defender? You know, where they run two balls most of the time? Like how much of that are we gonna put up with?
2: Isn't that Olivier's point where, like, when you find success, that's the recipe? Because if you were going to go help at a tryout right now, Garrett, let's say you're going to help at a 16-year tryout and you don't know anyone's name. And you're trying to describe to the coach, you know, it's the girl with the ponytail. She's like 5'10". Like, she, she's right-handed. She, she jumped pretty well. That's every girl in the gym. That's everybody, <laughs> man.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's everybody. I feel like we talked about this last week here. I'm like a broken record. I maybe need to, I maybe need to change it up and converge to a better point here on this show. Damn it. Do you watch volleyball, Olivier? Do you like? Do you go and watch volleyball because you enjoy it?
1: Uh, not all that much, uh, you know. To be frank, so I mean, why I watch not, too- though? I feel like I've I've had too much of it. I uh, you know when I was oh. younger. Yeah, I feel like that's that's probably why. Um, you know, and I watch some other sports, frankly, um, but you know, not volleyball, not all that much. I, I've had too much of it. But I watch you know teams I like. I watch people I like um, I'll watch the Olympics. I'll watch, you know, special events like that. Um, and I enjoy watching it every time, but I don't, you know, go out of my way to, to watch volleyball. Definitely not.
0: Yeah. I think I, I think I would say I'm the same. And I, th- yeah. I feel like that's a common story in our, in our sport, Josh, is that like, you know, think about the, the, uh, the hardcore fans of a sport like basketball. It's people who like play D3 or like played in high school and like we're done playing and are like watching these players as super fans. Right. And I'm not saying that that's either of us because I mean, we were pretty high level players. I mean, come on. What are you talking about? But I'm saying a lot of a lot of other players who had a ton of it, not really sticking around to really be fans and, and kind of engage with the sport.
2: I think even the model has changed. Like uh, in, in my role, some of my professional development, I got to go to an analytics conference and the NBA guy was there. You and he got to describing- go to an analytics conference. You want to nerd out with some you people? You must like, have
0: I, been in heaven.
2: It, it was good. I'm kind of like a fence sitter because I'm kind of like a coach. Of course there, you're like, a fence sitter there, too. There was like some pure data people there who had trouble like interacting with other people. Like that's how science they were. That they, they were like, yeah, they're... The, yeah. Anyways. All right. right. They're, they're, they're too smart for their own good. Anyways, the point I was going to make was the, the NBA guy was there and he was talking about, uh, he's from NBA Canada. He was talking about NBA viewership is really the fourth quarter. Like it's very actually rare for somebody to watch a full game. And even the NFL, like their package is like red zone where you just like, you turn on that channel and they'll keep flipping the game for you based on scoring chances and stuff. So uh, I don't think that's a problem unique to volleyball where we watch the big events or the special events. I think sports fans in general, like look at baseball, who's going to watch a regular season game for the, Blue Jays in May for three and a half hours on their couch, right? So, but we'll watch the playoffs or we'll watch meaningful games where, uh, I don't know, Garrett, I don't know how volleyball is going to capture this audience, but it seems like sports in general, the, the viewers getting, I don't know, a little bit more passive in what we want to see. And we want to consume it in a short amount of time. I think that has
0: to do with the nature of our sport as well. Like think about in a, in a hockey match or a hockey game, the third period or a basketball game, the fourth quarter or a baseball game, you know, the last inning uh, and volleyball, like, it's hard to track, right? Because it's you if know. it's a 3-0 domination versus an intense five-setter, the time difference there is huge. It's like almost double, right? So, like, if you're looking to tune in, it's maybe over before any of the real tense moments happen. Or, okay, I think ideally you ca- oh, yeah, let's catch the fifth set of that. It's a super tight match. Or But in beach, it's it's over. Like, before you know you have a good match, it's over. Like, the two scoring systems and the, the progress there, I think, is just crazy. Like, it doesn't allow for these kind of, even that, even somebody tuning in near the end, because I have no idea when that's going to be. You know, yeah. if a basketball game starts at 7 p.m. Eastern time, I know if I tune in around 9, I'll probably catch the end of the game,
1: right? Yeah. And even for broadcasters it's uh it's kind of a pain to 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 plan for that right you have to plan for stuff that might happen and might not so how do you you know work with these people right it's 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 definitely a pain in the neck uh no doubt about that so let's solve it here
0: Olivier you you're a physical guy you know how to entertain folks you've brought you've brought us some knowledge here Josh let's solve this tonight what are we doing to make volleyball and beach volleyball more watch bull for fans, like some of these other sports we mentioned. Do we have an answer, or are we just posing questions and yelling into the void?
2: Yes. (laughs) It's (laughs) (laughs) maybe the 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 void. void. I I, I even want to just take the easy way out. And I think before we try to fix the TV things, I don't think TV is where to start. Like I think beach volleyball is at its best when it has like a cool feel where you're going to show up and you're going to spend the day there and you're going to watch a bunch of matches and and there's going to be somebody on the mic or they're playing music. Like I think it needs to be something you feel like you have to be there in person to really enjoy versus it's something you turn to a certain channel and watch. I I just think when I, I think about like beach stuff, I think it's like you're spending the day there and you're watching multiple games. It's not like, oh, it's 7 p.m. on this channel. I'm going to watch the game for, like you said, it could be 30 minutes. It could be an hour five. We don't know how long the game's going to last, but, um, I well, I agree with, uh, what we get you said. that festival and that all day thing. I, I kind of like that.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with what you said there, but you know, the thing to, th- to think about is, you know, people that will spend a full day at a bitch, at a beach tournament, uh, so the French accent going out there, <laughs> uh, so people that are, that are spending full days at, at a beach tournament, uh, they're you know mostly super fans right um, and at the end of the day those people are not they're not how they're not the, the the critical mass of people that will you know spend into your sport right so while yes this is a great way to attract people and develop your sport to an extent um, if you want to you know get more money get more development into your sport you have to find a, another way to you know to get money into organizations and to do that optimizing, the TV online format, the format that requires, you know, basically, you know, that has less friction for people. That's the one you have to optimize because that's where you'll get more people, especially nowadays. I mean, people are traveling less right now. Um, People are are getting accustomed to watching things online and from their home. Uh, So, you know, having a format that optimizes that, um, you know, yes, you might not get, as you said, and I totally agree with you, the best way to watch beach volleyball is to spend a full day you know, watching them watching games. You know, understanding who players are, what they do, how they, you know, how they, they, their processes over a full day. That's kind of the best way, of, you know, of doing it and enjoying a nice day as well. But to develop your sport, you have to get that critical that critical mass. So, developing that online and TV format, you know, it has to be done. I mean, I think I have the solution. Yeah, I think I have it, Josh. So the FIVB
0: has kind of proposed this new top tier, right? And Mm -hmm. I hate that personally like you're really shutting out access to make it easier for teams to hop in this is for the beach But that principle I think is still a good one, right? Like you still want people to know who your top teams are and want to tune in to see them that is Part of it. So what if you framed the tournament in such a way that it gave an advantage. You didn't lock people out of the tournament based on their ranking, but it gave an advantage to the top teams. So you could schedule those top team matches for prime time and you spend the day with with these kind of qualifier style matches to try to build up to these kind of marquee moments in the evening, right? So if you think about instead of making a tournament that's only the top eight teams for the World Tour Finals, Now you've got two of your top teams playing at 9 a.m. in a random pool play match and nobody—it's you can't hype it, right? You don't know who's going to win. You don't know what's going to happen next. Open that up to, say, 32 teams or to 38 teams or sorry, to 40 teams and have 32 teams competing to get into a top 16 situation where now you're playing, having a top team playing a qualifier up-and-comer who the hardcore fan is behind because they watched them come in, and the casual fan is gone, they immediately get the story, right? Oh, you got top player, now you've got upsets, you're kind of building these, setting it up for a big moment, right? Either a crashing fall for the qualifier or a major upset type thing, you know what I mean? I think that would be awesome
2: well I, what I really like about that idea is, is it allows for storytelling because where I think I'm bitter I totally agree with Olivia that like the TV model and like that's the fastest way to reach the most amount of people and people don't want to travel I'm just bitter that like even when U sports had that login, Garrett I didn't buy it I'm a guy who like loves volleyball I run a volleyball podcast I work in volleyball I didn't want to pay $14 to watch nationals it just that didn't seem worth it to me so uh, I'm a little bit bitter that way where when I think about like other sports like I don't even understand tactically what's going on in UFC sometimes but When they build the story garrett and they oh this guy doesn't like this guy or this this woman doesn't like this woman like there's a story there you get behind them you watch them train all of a sudden you're picking sides which one you want to be a part of like i think that's what our sport is missing is the storytelling where the the sport alone isn't going to stand on itself. You got to be able to get into the story. Even when I started watching tennis this summer, Garrett, because the Canadians were doing well, it's like, oh, this female athlete grew up here. So this is her story. Like that got me more into the sport than technical tactical. Where sometimes we just focus on technical tactical, and that's that's not enough. And I think Olivia even said it earlier in the episode. Uh, I'll watch people I know, but I don't I don't want to watch just a random game, right? Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. I've, I just made it up tonight. So we, maybe we need to workshop that <laughs> and send it over to FIVB because that would be amazing. Like think about a Thursday evening, say, you know, there's going to be one good game in the day. It's a qualifier. They had to win. Nah, I mean, playing too many games in one day is tough, but they had to maybe win one or two games to play that match in the evening. And that you know they know they're getting a day off the next day. Because that's always the thing with those F.I.B.B. beach players. They're like, oh, well, wha- you know, too many games in a day. When's my day off? Blah, blah, blah. So, he's okay, no, we space it out. We know we're going to get, oh, I love it. I love it. I do not have a good solution for indoor, though. Like, what the hell are we going to do there?
1: It's a good question. Like, how I mean, do we fix feel- that? Well, one thing we you know we touched on a bit earlier was you know the fact of volleyball being you know time well not time based right it's it's point and set based yeah um, what if it was time based <laughs> I mean it, it would it would make the the sport you know very different right so oh, yeah. you know it's 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 definitely up for debate but if we were to find a way to make volleyball time based you know I think we would solve a big part of that issue um, you know that's my take on it but then again. The same way, you know, you know, the combines have to come with a follow-up. You know the fact of putting a time base is not enough by itself, right? It has to be, you know, there has to be a lot of other things around it. You know, Josh, you, you talked about you know storytelling. you know, we talked about you know a bunch of things. so it has to come with a lot of things, or else, I mean, it will just be, you know, almost you know nothing it will just be one point that will not, you know change the nature of the whole thing,
0: yeah. This was always my problem with indoor, right? is like, you change it up, but why would somebody care about, like, a single... The thing with beach is everybody's there. You got a variety of countries. You got a lot, of, a lot of stuff happening, a lot of variety. But when you're talking about an indoor match, you can't really play... Like, you're flying a whole team to a location. Like, what, are you going to bring everybody? Like, I don't know. So how do people really give a shit about one team or the other team? Or say you have two matches in a night. I don't know. Like, how does anybody care?
2: That's, I think when people, if they think back to the old World League model, remember when, like, Canada used to host, like, a pool of four? Like, the Canada games would do really well, but it's really hard to sell tickets to a Finland versus Poland game in Canada. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't know how you draw people in without storytelling or some sort of player profile. Like, I, I don't know. Just saying it's international volleyball obviously isn't the ticket enough to get people there.
0: Yeah. If you have any ideas, comment down below. If you're still listening, my goodness. Thank you so much. So, so we've, we've solved beach FIVB. If you're listening, which you're definitely not, but if you are love to work with you, I mean, let just call us, let us know, but we've solved that indoor. We still need some work. I don't have a great, I, I have no ideas. So we maybe yeah, have to, to show our
1: own storytelling. It has to be around storytelling. That's the only way. I mean, that's the way I see it. Uh, storytelling, and you know, Josh, you're a big numbers guy, right? Uh, we see the NBA doing it very, very well, right? There's always a weird, you know, statistics, you know, being, you know, being used at games, right? Um, this guy, you know, was the first one to score, you know, more than five points between the third and the four, the fifth minute of, you know, the second quarter, and stuff like that. And that is basically a record. Uh, and you know, building a story around that. It sounds dumb the way I'm say- saying it right now, but they do it and it works, right? Yeah. Um, and because of that, you know, they have a bunch of talk shows, podcasts of people talking about weird, random statistics that, frankly, in a lot in a lot of cases, don't mean much. But people love hearing about that, yeah. they, you know people listen to that and they're like, Oh my God, you know, Stephen Curry is the first guy to, you know, you know, score, you know, more than three points in less than, you know, five seconds in the third game of the finals <laughs> of a, of an even year, whatever it is. And, you know, you know people love it. Right. Yeah. They, they love it. They're like, Oh my God, this is a record. And, and, and people always think, always think, you know, records are being beaten games after games and, and, you know, quarters after quarters, and that's how people see it. And they yeah. see a story around that. So, you know, no matter how it is, I mean, I'm all about data, by the way, Josh, I'm a, I'm a big numbers guy. So, um, you know, y- you get data, you build a story with it. And frankly, people will, will get in, um, you know, super fans will. And then after that, you you make it more accessible for other people.
2: Well, Garrett, I think this is a callback to an earlier guest. Don Saxon said he doesn't watch NFL football, but he'll do fantasy football. Maybe the hack for indoor volleyball is fantasy sports where you pick a team and all of a sudden you're cheering for the right side from Serbia because you got to win your pool that week. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was going to take it a different direction. I I think that, yeah, I mean, sure, I'm in. If anybody's got a fantasy volleyball league out there, I'm in. But uh, I was thinking we need to make like like an XVL, like an extreme volleyball league that is not a sport. It is sport entertainment where it is fake,
1: (laughs) where it is just for
0: entertainment. So they have different spots that they like, set up throughout the game, like the Harlem Globetrotters uh, style where you have these different characters and the different things happen. I would watch that 100%. You get a mic, like everybody's mic'd, like they get the mics out, yell at the crowd. I don't know. I would watch that.
2: Now, I can't confirm or deny this, Garrett, but there was a demo match uh, when I first moved to Toronto at North Beach, and there was a bunch of kids there, it was for school, and the players agreed they were going to play a match that in, it was going to be tied at 15 all. So they were like, "I'm going." they were giving signals like, I'm going to dive cross, you hit it as hard as you can so I can get this slammy. And then at 15 all, there was a gentleman's agreement that we were going to play straight up and you're going to try to win. But for the first 15 points, it was like serving bombs, trap blocking, like all this stuff, just so the kids would think that volleyball is this awesome thing versus like side out, Miss serve side out, miss serve, miss serve. Like, and I think that was maybe it maybe leads to what you're proposing here. Yeah, I think there's a market for it. I mean, (laughs) indoor, imagine indoors
0: where you're like, hey, you set up. Hey, we're going to run this cool set and it's going to fool you. Like you're going to go the complete wrong way and he will have no block. You better bounce it, buddy. Like show off for the That's the show off moment for the crowd. That would be amazing. Like, are you kidding me? Like, people watch warm-up <laughs> when they know it's a toss and they bounce it. Like, imagine you frame that around a game. I'm
2: in. I'll I pay yeah. for that. TJ yeah. just setting one-on-os to all these guys during the game. That would be awesome. <laughs> absolutely.
0: To the big <laughs> right-side guy from Brazil. that Or, yeah. uh, or France, I think, also has a big guy on the right. Those guys absolutely unleash. I would pay to see them on a one-on-o mid-game just – or, or not. Maybe you have triple there and he purposely gets slammed. I don't know. I love it, though.
1: Yeah, it, it does solve a, a part of the of the problem. Right. Because a lot of people that don't watch volleyball don't realize how, you know, physically taxing and intense it is. Right. Mm-hmm. So doing that, you're creating highlights. You're creating an opportunity for people to <laughs> to, you know, to see things they wouldn't see otherwise. Right. Because, you know, a good volleyball game technically doesn't mean It's fun to watch for non volleyball players, right? So, creating that, you're just creating and generating a lot of hype.
0: Okay, so the three of us are going to make the XVL, but we're not going to tell anybody it's fake. Nobody's going to know it's fake. It's going to be like the WWF back in the day. Like, it's going to be like, ah, is it kind of real? Is it not? Like, well, hey, you know, I don't know. We don't know. It's volleyball. Well, it's volleyball entertainment. So, we're going (laughs) to. You gotta be clear on that. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I think if anybody's being realistic, they would think that that's an awful idea. But why, welcome to sharp cuts. Like welcome to sharp cuts. And uh, and Olivier, that that's kind of it. That's that's the show. I mean, we've made a bit of a habit of telling our guests at the end of the show what order they were requested in, and and responded. And this is the first time, Josh, I think we were one for one. Right? Yes. One for and- one. Olivia. you were our top choice. Highly recommended, accepted the, the, the request. So thank you so awesome. much. That's got to fill you with confidence. And I said that before I ask another question. So your first time on Sharp Cuts, what did you think?
1: It was it was awesome. Uh, I liked it. Uh, frankly, I mean, a lot of fun. You guys are you guys are fun. Uh, you know, great topic. I mean, talking volleyball, that's I mean, obviously we're passion, volleyball passionate. So, yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Well, listen, and thanks for kind of playing into the bit where I ask a question, hoping to get a compliment and actually giving a compliment. I appreciate it. Some Nailed people, <laughs> some people don't, some people just take that opportunity to chirp us and uh, that's <laughs> equally accepted. But thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. If you're still listening, I don't know what you're doing. Get out there and play some volleyball. Cause if volleyball's boring, listening to it is definitely even less exciting. Um, but thank you so much for joining us up in the comments, five stars, subscribe, all that great stuff. And uh, that'll do it for this one. We'll see you next time.